I want you to turn to the book of Malachi. And share a little truth here with you. As I come to this conference, there are certain things that come across my mind. And as I think also of our church at home, a lot of churches are what we what I call aging churches. Um, not very many uh, young people attend strong Bible churches, typical Bible teaching churches. They go to churches where the music is very hyped and more than hyped now. Um, I, I know that that does not make a better Christian or even a better church congregation. I've seen the people have tried the music and in order to maintain that they have to always go another mile because somebody else has hyped them out and they have to catch that. And so um, someone did a, a survey in Barbados and said that there are about 35% on church people, people that's not connected, connected to churches. And that's in the younger generation um, of people from teenage to the, the 30s. Above that, the church people, uh, there's, there, there's established churches that we call the established churches like the, uh, what you call the Episcopalian church, Catholic church, Methodist church. Their congregations usually stay um, the same, except they don't get younger people either. They get older people remain there. And one or two of the older ones who get saved then would leave and go to an evangelical church. So some of them are quietly dying out too. Um, but they don't move around from the one church to the next. Um, they endure, if they have a pastor or a priest that they don't like, they usually endure him until whatever happens. But they stay there. In evangelical circles, um, there is a recycling of members and so uh, particularly that in the charismatic group and so they don't like what's happening in church or they think something else should happen and so some of them either split go start another church or they go to another one of their churches that they think that they could fit in and several of them have um, gone through the churches as it were and so a lot of these people uh, are recycled membership. They're, people don't start a church, they get members from another church. And they still call in that start another church. And so uh, the, the whole, I suppose in America, it might be like that too, uh, with the type of churches that younger people tend to go to. Um, and this thought, when, when I was speaking to Brother Ken and Sister Nancy last about a church in the West Indies that was the church. Uh, I mean, it was a growing church. It had people from all factors of the, the society. It was a missionary church. It had good connections, everything else like that. And today, um, it is, there's 
that very, very few people would want to experience. And it scares me as a pastor. I look at our church, and I wonder what, what would ever become of our church. And we have prayed, and I have prayed, Lord, please keep us as a faithful remnant, or keep a faithful remnant until your coming. Faithful remnant. Um, yes, we want to see more people come to church if we do. Present them with the gospel of salvation, spirit to the Lord. And the Lord Jesus being your Savior, we need to do that. And actually, in the last uh, few weeks, Sunday nights, I've um, kind of repented. I apologize to the church uh, for this, in that in recent years, the emphasis has been on Christian living and accountability. But like so much things in Christianity, when we hurt on, we, we, you know, we zero in on one thing at the expense of, and that's sad. And it was at the expense of us losing what we used to have. Um, people being a lot more way of inviting people to church talking to them about the Lord. What we call in the old time days, you hardly hear the word now, soul winning, personal evangelism. These are still, um, or must still be on the hearts and the minds of Christians and churches. Because in order for us to get them to know about the kingdom, we've got to get them to know the Lord Jesus the Savior. And so, for the last few Sunday nights, I've been preaching on personal evangelisms, um, on how God requires that of us. Now, that does not mean that people will come to church. It doesn't mean that. However, there's a greater possibility that they will. But I pray, God, please keep us as a faithful remnant. Remember, faithful to your word, in, in the right way, in righteous living, whatever happens. And in the back of my mind, I know this, that things are going to get worse. Now, I'm a realist, and I know some people say, well, things, things, I'm praying and things are going to change. And yes, things change in pockets here every now and then. But generally speaking, according to the Word of God, how things are going, how things are going to get a lot gloomier than they are in the world today. In the book of Malachi, and you read it, you wonder how gloomier it can get. And because these were God's people that God was speaking to. And the answers they gave to God would have seemed like it was the answers, they were answers of real ungodly, unsaved people. And you wonder how gloomy it could get. Now, in a sense, deliberately, I, I dressed as I did this morning. I have a, a black shirt and a black pants. I'm telling you, thick gloominess. And I put on a silver looking tie and a brighter jacket to bring out there's hope uh, among the gloom. And so when you read in Malachi, uh, the Lord 
first of all addressed about how he loved he loved them and he did not like Esau like them um, and they say where when have you loved us and he tells them he in verse 6 he says a son on earth is father and a servant is master if I then be a father where is mine honor and if I be a master where is my fear now the greatest culprits of these were the priests and he addressed the priest several times in the book of Malachi. Oh, you priest that despise my name. And he said, wherein have we despised thy name? You have polluted my bread and my, upon my altar. And he said, wherein have we polluted uh, thee in the way? Now the table of the Lord is contemptible. And then he tells them how they used to offer the worst things on there. You offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? Remember God had told them when you offer in a sacrifice it had to be as perfect, the perfect, without blemish. And now they're offering uh, the worst things to him. Uh, the, and, he, and if you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto your governor, will he be pleased with thee, or accept thy person, saith the Lord? And he goes on and he tells them about their offerings, he tells them about how they were treating their families, uh, they were divorcing their wives. Um, they said in um, verse 13, he said also, Behold, what a weariness is it? And you snuff at it, said the Lord. Uh, it was being frustrating for them to go on with what God told them. And they said that they're, they're weary. And in, in one case, uh, they actually said um, that. It is like what word was it? It's a it's a terrible thing to serve the Lord. Um, it was gloomy days. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. He said, "It is vain." That's verse seven, verse fourteen of chapter three. It is vain to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept His ordinance? These people were like that which Isaiah described in Isaiah chapter 1. When I was a, um, a much younger preacher, I used to like to preach <laughs> uh, these sermons, you know, preach on sin. Not that you don't preach on sin now, but in the manner described, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture uh, to preach on. And here, oh, verse 2 of, of Isaiah chapter 1. Here, oh, heavens. And give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and will rebel against me. The ox knoweth his owner, and the donkey his master's crib. But Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Why should you be stricken anymore? Will you revolt more and more? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. Uh, they have not been closed, neither bound up, neither modified with ointment. And that's where I used to take my... Uh, <laughs> From that to describe what sin really is and uh, I had some experiences of being in the hospital with a fellow with a, a grafted leg 
that I had to use alkaline because of the smell that came from his leg. And when the doctors would remove it, all the, uh, the maggots, the creepers would be there on his leg. And, and, and some of this is you know, not bound up. And, and that's how God describes sin of the, of the children of Israel. Uh, maybe we need to get back to that. Sometimes we get a little too uh, diplomatic in what we say because uh, of how we are nowadays or as we get older. Um, but this is how Isaiah described Israel. Now these are people and in, in Malachi who were the children of God. Now if you go beyond them and get into the world then you just multiply that by uh, so much more as how far worse the world is. And I don't have to tell you that we live in very troublesome, perilous, immoral times. That we don't even know what we will do when laws are passed in Barbados, our churches are trapped, uh, beginning to change their constitutions because they know the laws will come concerning same sex. Uh, we have, you have the problems up here, people being put in jail. Um, we had a little incident where a Canadian uh, brought her, um, there's a private school, and the child was a boy one term, and the, or the next week, one week, and the next week it came dressed as a girl, and the, and the school said, well, we can't have you, and give the reasons why, and that became one big issue, uh, because in one week, or one whatever, the boy decided to be, he wanted to be a girl, and he was a girl all around. And you have all of this here. And these are things that we, this is what we're living in. How, how are we going to deal with those things? If somebody comes to your church that's a transgender and says, I want to get saved. Well, you need to get saved and, and you lead them to the Lord. But um, they want to remain what they are. What are you going to do with them? How are you going to relate to them? And boy, we have decisions to make that... Uh, we, we hope the Lord comes before we have to make those decisions. If you make it one way, well, you know, most of the members will go somewhere else. And if you don't make it the other way, then the law is going to come for you. Those along the church, whatever else that they would do. And so out there is the, the world behind the veneer that it has. A, the veneer is just being eroded all the time. Everything is coming out uh, from the uh, coming out in the open. And this is the world we live in. Christianity, the things you read about Christianity is like these people here. Um, the things that they do in churches around the world, it is unbelievable that it is under the name of Christianity. The things that people teach are there are some churches, particularly in Africa, when you, it is, it's, you just cannot repeat what they do or preach in their church, in a church. It is so absolutely abominable, but in the name of the Lord Jesus and the Father Spirit himself. Um, Where do you go? If you had to leave here, would you find a church easily? 
you can feel comfortable in or you have to make some adjustments the music maybe uh, the word of God the way people treat you how, how they relate to you are you going to find one? maybe not so easy maybe not so easy there were a group of people in Malachi's day that was like that Let's read Malachi chapter 3. Um, I'm going to take the whole thing to read it. Um, if I might just pick up from verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye have gone away from mine ordinances, and ye have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord. But he said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? He have robbed me. But he said, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. He have cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house. And prove me now here with, saith the Lord of hosts. I will now open unto you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and you shall not destroy the fruit um, from your ground, neither shall your vine cast the fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, or the Lord that ruleth over all. And all nations shall call you blessed, but for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord. Your words have been stumped against me, said the Lord. Yet he said, Where, what have we spoken so much against thee? This reminds me, by the way, of the parable of the talents. You know, the, the man with the one talent, and that went ahead his talent, and he told the Lord, because people said, how could he be an unsaved man? How could he be a saved man? And talk to the Lord like that. Um, he tells the Lord, you, I know you've been a hard man, what you've done, and so on, and went ahead your talent. Well, listen, God's people does that with him all the time. Even in these, he says, your words against me have been stout, hard, terrible things you've said against me. And sometimes we do in different ways when we question God about certain things that's happening in our lives. Yet he said, well, what have we spoken so much against thee? You said, it is vain to serve God. How many times Christians, because they see somebody else who is not serving God, blossoming, doing well. You've been serving God, you've been praying, you've been doing just what you know and everything that you know is right. And you're trying to walk that straight and narrow way. And yet there's no, seem to be no victory in your life. What you've been praying for, you're still experiencing that pain. Sometimes it's getting worse. And then you, from one bad news to another bad news, I'll tell you this. <laughs> Again this morning, it reminded me. Last year when we were here in May, we had I went to the prayer meeting time. And the prayer list you had, I started, I, I couldn't believe it. I think, with my rough estimation, at least 90% of the request that was on that list was for somebody that was sick. 
I, I think it's more than 90, but I'm going to say 90. It was somebody in your church or that you knew that was experiencing some type of illness. He says, wow. Uh, in church, at home, generally speaking, when we have prayer requests, invariably, the first prayer request or several prayer requests is to pray for brother this, brother this. They are sick, they are suffering this, they're going um, to the hospital, and it starts off, nothing wrong with that, but that's how our churches are, that Christians. And so we are praying, we are doing that which is right, we are seeking God, we want to say, and yet, they're not seeing the answers that we're asking for. And then there are some people that will come, like the children will say, it's been to the worst of sense. And some people give up. Especially when you hear somebody else gets better. Or somebody that's not really serving the Lord, they get through. You are not serving, you were serving the Lord like Esau. And this is what's happening. In verse 15. Well, Verse 14, we have, it is being to serve the Lord, verse 14. And what profit is it that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? What profit is it? I mean, you have food on your table like everybody else do. You have clothes on your back, everybody else. What, what, what's the difference between you today and the person that's out there that's not serving the Lord? Maybe some of them are a lot more healthy than you are. But you're still serving the Lord. What's the difference? Let's see if we can give it there to you. Verse 15 says, And now we call the proud happy. Yea, they that work in wickedness are set up. That's verse 15. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. But we... We jump from the water to the flood and from the flood to the fire, it seems. Oh, but verse 16. That's where the tide comes in now. Verse 16. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that fear the Lord and that thought upon his name. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall he return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. I just zero in on verse 16 and the rest of the message. Then they that feared the Lord. That's the difference between you today in this church and those that are out there. They have everything. Brother Derek preached a sermon. Maybe this will just help a little bit. Um, at, uh, at the anniversary end. His sermon was on this about what? What is the distinctive mark of the Christian? You go out and you see a man with locks and so on. Well, you know, he's what we call a raster. 
We see a person with a veil and things on that, we know that's a Muslim. We see the Mormons with their white and whatever else, and then we know that's a Mormon. We, they, they, there are lots of people by the way they look and they dress, that's who they are. Now how do you distinct a Christian? How do you, how do you know a person is a Christian? Well, lots of people go to church. A lot of just go to church. So going to church don't make you different to anybody else. Lots of unsafe people go to church. Lots of unsafe people dress with you know nice church clothes and they go to church. There are unsafe people that do good deeds, that are nice people. So what's the, how do you tell a Christian? What's the distinctive mark of a Christian? But Jesus gave it. That by this shall men know that ye are my disciples if ye love one another. That's the distinctive mark. What else? Those don't mark us off. No, not anymore. But what marks you off between the wicked, the ungodly, the, the believers that don't serve the Lord, and those as well as that don't know anything about the Lord, what makes you different today? You are here, I would like to suggest, because you fear the Lord. You fear the Lord. Now, fearing the Lord takes in a big subject. But fearing the Lord includes praising Him, worshiping Him, and obeying Him. Matter of fact, the most times that what follows fearing God to prove that you fear God is that you obey Him. That you do what His will is. And so this remnant, amidst all the gloom, amidst all the darkness, all the, the, the priests were doing wrong, the people were doing wrong, everybody was just doing that which was against God. But praise God that there was a remnant there. But those that feared the Lord. And here you are, I like to suggest, with all this happening in, in the biblical world, the theology, all the different strains of views of whatever else it is and what people say. Um, now here you are, faithful remnant. Because you fear the Lord. Now there's some reasons we fear the Lord. We fear him because we love him. We fear him because we worship him. We fear him because we want to obey him. Hebrews tells us about serving the Lord fear. Not because God is a bad God looking down on us, but because what God has done for us and what he has promised us in this life and that which is to come, that God deserved us to be able to take the word fear, to fall at his feet and to worship him, to love him, and want to go on despite what's happening to us today. Now just now I said 
that. There are people out there who doing bad and they're getting through okay, here you are serving God, but yet there's several of you who have several physical other things wrong with you. And you've been praying for those things, and sometimes instead of getting better, you're getting worse. There are people who are out there who have the same things you have. Or worse, maybe. But they don't have the hope you have. They don't get along with these people together and talk. It says, and they that fear the Lord speak one to another, and to be able, and the Lord hearken, and to be able to share your burden one with another, and talk one with another, and to encourage one another amidst the struggles of life and the pains and uh, uh, the negative things. Here you have a group of people who you know will pray for you and encourage you. Those people, they have no hope. And lots of times, they end up far worse than you are today. I used to, we still have a ministry to the psychiatric hospital in Barbados, but when I was, when I first got saved, a lot of us, we, had, we used to go to the psychiatric hospital and have a ministry there. They used to bring all of them to the chapel. And uh, I was, well, jokingly referred to as the, um, we call it the mental hospital in those days, the mental pastor. Pastor to the mental hospital. That was a joke, okay? but we used to go there. And one thing I found out, that the majority of people that were in there were people that were not saved. They had one or two, a few of them because of some twist, some strange thing happened in their life. Usually it was a young girl who got pregnant and couldn't handle it in circumstances and she ended up in there. But we're not saved. I started to, that led me to make a little check on the hospital of itself now, the uh, medical hospital. And I found out that the majority of the people in there were not Christians either who were serving the Lord. They were people of the world. And that those who fear the Lord have some, uh, well, not that, that they have, they have a power within them that amidst the trials of life that the Lord Jesus says that in this world you shall have tribulations, that amidst the trials of life, you can have peace and joy. And in your pain, you're still serving God with love and loving each other and want to go on serving Him. And they that fear the Lord, they spoke often one to another. That's a good mark, by the way, of a church that is growing not necessarily in numbers, but in maturity, that you speak one to another. Praise God for what the young lady said. You see, in a church where there's love, people speak one to another. And notice what it says there in verse 16. Not only do they speak one to another, it says they speak often, often one to another. And to be able to do that, there must be a love that comes out of that. Love 
Like, like that doesn't just come from the human being. That comes from the Holy Spirit, from God, from the Word of God. That makes you able to be genuine in your love. And I must say this. I can't go into all detail what I like to say, but I like to say this. That over the last years that we've been here, we have not experienced anything else but a genuine love from you. And all of us who come to the conference from the island, we talk about, we talk about that. And we say the same thing. It's amazing your love towards us. It's been a blessing, a challenge to us. It's an encouragement. How you speak to us often. How you treat us warmly. <coughs> Years ago when I went to school, Blue Water Bank College, um, my English teacher gave uh, an essay to write and had some choice in it. And one of, one of the topics she had there that we chose had to choose from was the revelation of a handshake. And you know, because of the experience they had, <coughs> I mean, to look at that topic by itself, what do you write about that? But because I had had some experiences, immediately I would write on that. And I wrote on this, I remember, the three handshakes that came to my mind immediately. And one of them, uh, an affectionate handshake, of an elderly lady from our church. Uh, I think she was in her 80s, then she died in the 90s. They were two, just, I mean, two of the most wonderful Christians you ever met. Two sisters who lived to their 90s, they lived together, and both of them, they never got married, they were virgins as far as the testimonies and everything else. And they were two of the loveliest people that you could meet. Encouragement. And they just encouraged me in the ministry as a young pastor. And I remember one Sunday morning, as I finished preaching, and she had shaken my hand many other times, but that morning, she shook my hand. She's an elderly lady. It was soft, but there was a warmth, a tenderness that uh, exuded from that into me. And I, I knew that that was a, a handshake of love, of warmth, of encouragement. I wrote on that. Then I wrote on... I remember going to Benjamin Bible School first Sunday at Calvary Baptist Church. There was this usher. Mm. It wasn't, you know, <laughs> I connect him with you, Brother Harris. But he was a he was big six with a brother Eddie Jacobs. And when I got there at the door, he shook my hand. I mean, he didn't know me first time I was going there, and he shook my hand. He says, Welcome. And he shook my Immediately I shook his hand. I said, Boy, this man is a hard worker. I felt every corn in every corn in his hand. I didn't know him, but I learned afterwards he was a construction worker. I mean, it was I call it an aggressive handshake, and I knew I mean when he shook his hand. Then there was another handshake I remember years ago. I got uh, the person shook my hand, and all they did they put their hand there, um, was straight, and I held it. And it was me that did the handshaking. And I knew that didn't mean anything. Hypocritical handshaking. 
Um, he said that all of that. He said this. You know, I can't recall for this uh, how many years, seven years that we've been coming here. Maybe I don't know. Wow, when you, you know what when that when it first came here? Anybody know? The conference first began. I mean, when we started coming, I cannot recall that I have been able to say that about any of you about your womb has not been anything else but change. We cannot say that. Praise God. They that fear the Lord speak often one to another. They have churches that people come through this door to sit down here because they know somebody else will go through that door to sit there and they're not giving themselves the option to have a choice because it might be failure to sit over there. I know people have their places like to sit. I understand. But that you don't sit there because somebody else is not sitting there. And this is important in, the, in, in, in your church environment as, as you are. You need this in your life. Who else is going to encourage you? Not the world. Not what you see out there. It's when you come together with God's people and then that fear the Lord. So I want to encourage you. In closing, I want you to continue to fear God. Ask God, God help me. Keep my eyes on you. Amidst my struggles of life, amidst my pain, amidst the hurts, amidst the disappointments and the fears and the doubts, God help me to fear you, God. And to be able to do that with reverential fear. So that people, when they come to this church, would know that we are Christians, that you love one another. By this shall men know you are my disciples, if you love one another. And these people, amidst all the gloom that was around with the priest and everything else, this group of people got together and was true to the word of God. And it says this, and Lord hearkened and heard it. God looks down. God is interested in, in what you're saying, how you meet him. He hearkened and he heard. And then you know he did something else. And a book of remembrance was written before him. For them that feared the Lord and thought upon his name. So come into church. Come into, I say to church, or wherever it is that you meet together. It's important to God. God passed, I use the word pastor. God stops by to listen to you, to hear what you're talking, how you're encouraging one another. And he puts it down in the book of remembrance. It will come up one day. It will come up one day. Verse 18 says, Then shall he return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him. Are you in the group of them that fear the Lord and still speak or speak often one to another? 
and that thought of, and think upon his name. We didn't get to go into that, but because of time. And then that think upon his name. We found that remnant in the dark world of Christianity and the world itself. Are the members of the people of Community Baptist Church be likened unto these few people found in the days of Malachi when things were so bad? The name of the sermon is Diamonds in the Cold. Diamonds in the Dust, Diamonds in the Dirt. Are you diamonds? The other one says he will come and collect his jewels. I like you to keep polishing them. Keep polishing yourself. Let your diamonds sparkle more in your fellowship one with another. In your encouragement to others. Miss what's happening to you. Miss what you would like to happen but not happening. And still you fear God and you're serving and you're loving his people. I want this morning to encourage you. Don't quit. Keep on. Polishing yourself. How do you do that? By fearing God, speaking one with another, and thinking for his name. Father, take these words and encourage your people with it. Thank you for them, God, and the blessings that they have been, and we use them for your Pastor, everyone, God, they would find more and more joy, and you'll keep them as a faithful remnant amidst all that's happening, true to your word, and to each other, and to you. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.